welcome back to another episode of Stories from a Mountain Town. This is your host Tyler coming to you today actually from Roseville, Minnesota. We are we took this podcast on the road kind of. Um, today with me I have uh, my best and, and oldest friend Alex Marold. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, we are podcasting today from your house. We made a little um, jerry-rigged podcast studio up in here in his little office space. Um, but we knew, I knew in the time that I came back here to Minnesota for a wedding that I had to get you on. Um, and you, you'll probably come on many times, but I knew you had to get you on here in the early stages of the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about it. I mean, I've been listening and all the other ones have sounded great. So I'm excited to be on it myself. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so tell the listeners what we what you have brought us to drink today. Yeah, so I have two different uh, two different batches of homemade moonshine. We have what was kind of supposed to be strawberry rhubarb, but I realized that it's not uh, rhubarb season here in Minnesota, <laughs> so it kind of just ended up being uh, strawberry. And then I have just classic <laughs> apple pie moonshine. So we got both of these to try out. Wonderful. Let's pour ourselves a glass. All right. And it just turned four o'clock, so we are good to drink this. Is this enough or too much? Or? That's good. That's perfect. Okay. The one you poured me the other day was like really tiny. I was like, oh crap. Is this, oh yeah, super is this little. Gonna get to I me. gave you a test. You guys were yeah, you guys were driving. I was like, eh. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So cheers, man. Cheers. Mmm. That's very sweet, but it's not like syrupy. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't taste like I'm drinking like strawberry maple syrup. Yeah, that was our that was our first time doing that one. We've done apple pie. We kind of have nailed. We've done that in the past, and that's usually really really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done strawberry before though, and that was kind of like I said, it tried to be strawberry rhubarb, but we pretty much just ended up putting like strawberry juice, lemon, strawberry lemonade, and then mixed berry. We just kind of threw it all together. Uh-huh. Ended up being pretty sweet, but not bad for a first try at it. Yeah, definitely. So you. Um... Tell the listeners, like, what made you want to get into, like, doing these little moonshine things, these little moonshine concoctions? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my, you know, my, my dad and my uncle will both do it. And, I mean, when I say moonshining, I'm not actually making the alcohol. I mean, it's just yeah. pretty much just Everclear. We're not out in the woods. It's pretty much just Everclear, and then we just more or less are adding juice and boiling it down and adding in some things of our own. But, yeah, um, but yeah we've always had it at, like, family holidays, things like that. They always have apple pie moonshine, and my dad's tried a couple other ones, cherry and blueberry. And they're always phenomenal, and they're awesome just to have a little, you know, little tiny glass of, and it's just kind of uh, good to sip on. So, yeah, I've always liked it and like playing around with different flavors of it, so it's kind of fun to get into it myself. Yeah, it probably, like, it probably scratches your little tinker itch that you have that I've talked about on here about your <laughs> golfing, but, like, you get to, like, you can tinker with flavors and mess around with them to get, like, the exact one you need. Yeah, you yeah, well, that's exactly it. I mean, like, this one that we made, the strawberry one, I made it with my buddy Josh, actually, he helped me out with it, but, you know, I told him, I was like, I'm almost glad we didn't knock it out of the park the first time, because now we get to play around, and mm-hmm. maybe we want to throw in more lemon juice, cut out sugar, do different things with it, so, yeah, it kind of plays into my tinkering fascination. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, you came out to Jackson in uh, the end of June, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was a ton of fun, and that was your first time really going to mountains, I mean, you'd like... You said you drove through like the Smoky Mountains when you went to Florida. Yep. And you we went to school in Duluth, so like those are kind of mountains. Went up the North Shore, it's kind of mountains. Kind of sort of pseudo mountains, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was like your first thought when you first saw like how big the Tetons are, and like you're not 
this isn't Denver where you're just kind of on the edge of them. You're like in them and our house is on one. Yeah. So I'm actually going to take a step back really quick. So when, when obviously you moved out there and I, you know, I knew I was going to come visit you at some point, you and Tay. Um, but you know, when Nicole and I were kind of planning to come out there, so Nicole is my girlfriend. Um, we were planning a trip to come out and see you and we were kind of, I was kind of like, I don't know, you know, Jackson's not, you know, from what I understand, I don't know if it's necessarily like my scene, you know, I'd, Maybe I'd like to be laid up on a beach somewhere for vacation, you know, if we're going to spend the money to do it and make the, make the time and effort. But, you know, we came, obviously, because you guys were out there, so it was absolutely worth it. Um, yeah. But that was kind of my thought going into it. So right away, my first impression is we're flying into the Jackson Airport, <laughs> and we're literally, like, we're below the tips of these mountains <laughs> on either side. And I'm like, I, I, I nudge Nicole on the plane, and I'm like, hey, like, look out the window, and I'm in the window seat. And she's like, yeah, no, I can see him on the other side too. Like we're, we're in, I'm like, we're in the mountains. Yeah. And no, so it was just amazing. We stepped out and I was like, instantly felt, I was like, okay, this is, this is truly like a different atmosphere already than what I would have expected coming into it. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, I, I, um, I don't fly that often anymore to Jackson, but there's a point when you drive in from the, on the east side uh, of the valley, there's the pass over there. You're like, you're still an hour away from the town of Jackson. You're miles away from the Tetons. But you're up in this pass, and the Grand and the three, the big the big three just like pop out of the top. And you're just like, holy shit, that's big because we're really far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and that was that was probably the first thing that we noticed, like, stepping off of the plane. It's yeah. like, you look left, right, straight behind you, and we're just like, there's there's views everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's just like it's it's breathtaking. It really is. It's it's like nothing you've ever experienced. Like I said, not having seen real mountains before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the Jackson Hole Airport, they don't have the gates that come out to connect to the plane. So you just walk out a little like um, ramp thing, and you're walking on the tarmac, and it's basically right in front of the Grand is where the airport is. So like the best view is like the first your first view if you come in when it's clear and during the day. Yeah, I also want to make note that I president waved coming off of that plane. Yeah. Did you do the victory thing? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 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 double deuces, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and it's, a lot of people get that idea that it's because most of the people that live in the mountains are like ski bums, they want to ski, they, you know, long hair, beards, they're out in the woods every day, and that's not everybody, but... There's plenty of that's that's there's there's all that in Jackson, but there's also like golfing. There's like great restaurants. There's great places to get drinks, and that's pretty much everybody. And even just like the driving thing, like everyone would get excited to see a moose or a bunch of elk or bears. Right. And so that's where like that's probably that's probably why like we have four million tourists a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like like I said, coming into it, I think I had kind of this picture of like what what the jackson hole experience was and i was like i don't know you know i don't i don't ski i don't snowboard Mm -hmm. um you know i even though i live in minnesota winter's not really my thing like i like to golf but even just like there's kind of a thing for everyone right like anyone could go to a brewery and have a good time Mm -hmm. you know we got a chance when we were out there to go golf and that was awesome and just i mean there's actually a ton to do and while you're doing all of these unique things there's just these amazing breathtaking views around you. I think I, I can't stop talking about, I can't stop talking about that part of it because it, it changes your whole perspective of it. Right. I've been to, you know, a ton of different breweries here in Minnesota and you know, my experiences are the same and you know, breweries in Jackson, it's not necessarily that they're vastly different than the ones here. It's just that 
you're in Jackson. So that makes it different, that feeling that you have there. Yeah. We went to, um, where did we go? Still West? Did we go to Still West? Yeah. Did we go to, yeah, we went to Still West. And they have, they have one of the best patios in town, for sure. Because they're right in front of Snow King. So, like, you can't even, and the way the roof, the, the roof of the patio is, like, you have to, like, train your, you like to turn your neck to, like, see all <laughs> the way up the Snow King because it's so much right next to you. Right. No, it was, yeah, it was, it was actually, like, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just a different experience when all of that is kind of going on around you and, and experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played golf at the Lynx at Teton Peaks, which we had Brent on the podcast here, and they're one of our, one of our marketing clients. Shout out the Lynx. Yeah, shout out to the Lynx. They, um, what do you think of, like, obviously the views are great there, too. What do you think of, like, the like the course itself, like within the uh, within the within the playing area, you know, like tee to green, like yeah. that sort of thing. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's actually an awesome setup, and it's super, it it's a super fun course because you can play it different ways. Like, I think you know, I, I talked with a couple of my buddies about, um, you know, course is this a course that's like a one time deal, and you go out and you kind of just get your ass kicked by it or something, um, or is this a course that you can enjoy and playing every single day? And you're kind of going to get a different feel every time that you play it, or you can get a different feel every time you play it. And that was, that was kind of my takeaway from that course. I felt like there's, you, you can play it a bunch of different ways mm-hmm. and you can really challenge yourself. Or if you really want, you probably can go out there and shoot fairly low. And that's really fun to do sometimes as well. Yeah. I think I, I always call it a, a second, you're a second shot, it's a second shot golf course. Cause most of the tee shots, and this is part of the fun piece. There's a lot of tee shots. We can take a really aggressive line and really get a good result, get a good reward out of it. Or you can take a much less risky line, but still play it up. But if both of those tee shots, you have your second shot is the most important shot. Yeah. On every, almost every single hole. Yeah. And I really like that about it because, as you know, most amateur golfers were not that great off the tee. So yeah. it's not very fun when you're just like your second swing of the hole of the hole is your fourth stroke every single hole. Yeah, and that's it. That's exactly it. And I mean, like when I talk about it being either, you know, it can be very challenging or it can be, you know, a little bit more scorable. But yeah, it's that second shot. I mean, get, for me, getting out the tee, that's hands down the worst part of my game. Mm-hmm. And it's usually it can be extremely left, extremely right. Doesn't matter. But what I like about that course, the legs, is that you can actually get your ball out there, and at least I'm in play, and mm-hmm. I have a chance to make make a par on the hole, mm-hmm. rather than digging my ball into the woods, dropping it, slapping three up 50 yards, and then hitting it again. Yeah. Yeah, and they make it, there's enough um, uh, penal areas around the greens where, like, even if you have an easy drive, easy tee shot, your second shot, even though it may not be that far, because it's not a long course... Um, you could really mess stuff up, like oh, whether yeah. it's the island green on um, seven. I did mess that up. Um, hole two has water almost completely cutting you off from the green. There's a little walkway on one side, so you're covering water pretty much every single shot. Um, and it goes on and on where um, there's enough penalties, penalty areas around the greens that can really. Really give you a difficult second shot, even if it's not that long. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I mean, and that's and that's way more fun to play golf that way, right? Because like, for me, you know, 
maybe I missed the green and I can still chip and two putt for a bogey. Like that's still fun golf, right? Yeah. Like it, but to actually score puts an emphasis on hitting those greens. Like that, that's a real challenge, and that's that's what makes it really fun. Yeah. It was also cool for me. So shout out to Brent for letting me use his clubs. Yeah. Um, but it was super cool. It was, it was my first time playing a serious, or like a, a real round where we're keeping score and everything, obviously, um, using blades. Yeah. And you so that was actually... The, the, all, the, all your, your bad shots were not because you had blades. No. No, not at all. But it was super cool. I mean, that just kind of added to my experience on it. It was a, another mm-hmm. unique aspect of, of playing out there. Yeah. And Brent is such a big piece of the success of the course because he's there every single day in a good mood, happy to see you. He loves golf, and that's super. You, you learn that very, very quickly. Um, in in, the, in more than loving golf, he loves um, passing that along to other people, whether it's teaching golf or just like enriching the experience that you have at the golf course that day. Yeah, I think it shows by like the the, the people who are at the course and just kind of yeah. the all around vibe of the course, right? I mean, that kind of starts with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, he kind of he kind of is the one who sets that tone of what what it's going to be like day to day. And I think it's because of his attitude that that course is the way it is. And it's probably one of the most unique, I mean, they let dogs in the course. Yeah. So like, I mean, I've, I've obviously never experienced that, mm-hmm. but just to give you an idea of kind of what, what the vibe of the course is, that's, that's super unique. And it's a really cool aspect of it. And not only do they allow dogs on the course, everyone else on the course is cool with dogs being on the course. Yeah. I've said this a couple of times before. Um, I'm never worried about my dogs going up to other golfers because they have dogs most likely, or they're just cool with it because it's just a known thing. Yeah, they get it. And and uh, this is separate from like their skill. There's like not very people people that are like the, the people that are out there are not like serious golfers. They're they're very good, but they're not like stuffy and serious. Right. Like just some, there's mo- most days I'm the most serious one out there just because I'm wearing golf clothes. Because I'm keeping golf clothes. I'm because I'm keeping score. <laughs> Yeah, you know? but I mean, yeah, but that that's like, that that's kind of the best part of it, right? Because like, yeah. you can go out there and you can be as serious as you want, and you can also go out there and probably mm. play barefoot, drink beers, and have an awesome time with your dogs. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't I don't know why more courses that are like, they don't want to be the best course in their area don't do the dog thing because it's it's an insurance policy that that the course has. Right. And I don't know if I can even be saying this, so this might be edited out. <laughs> Brett, let me know. <laughs> it's an insurance policy that that the course has that allows them to not be liable if if a dog like bites someone. Yeah, it is. and and it's not like a crazy idea. They could just whatever insurance company other courses use, just say let's let's make this kind of policy, and then we'll, we'll pay whatever, and it'll financially be worth it because there's probably a lot of people that think like me and like I have an afternoon of, I could play or a Saturday I could play. I could either play golf or take my dogs out somewhere and it's hard to make that decision where the links, you don't have to make that decision. It can be both. Right. Because it's walking, I walk a lot, but if you take a cart, like that's four hours your dog's just running around constantly. Like, that's a lot of miles yeah. on dogs and they're just, that's as good as, as any walk you could bring them on. That was one thing too. I mean, Bridger and Matt just loved it. You could tell. I mean, they just zip around and it was just awesome for them. Yeah. it's They just get to be dogs out there because they don't understand that. Uh, the, the effort put into keeping the grass green and short and smooth. <laughs> they just think this is one giant field and dad just walking around with a backpack on. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you know? mean, yeah. But that, that's an interesting point that you brought up too, though. Cause I mean, in Minnesota, right. What, what are your differentiators? Of course. I mean, you have, you have nicer courses, you have 
price point, you know, price point, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of indicates, you know, nicer course or not. You have length of course, things like that. But for the most part in Minnesota, you're going to get a course that is pine tree lined. It's going to be maybe a little wrinkle here or there. Pretty, you know, might be on a lake. Maybe that's a differentiator. But for the most part, you're kind of getting the same style of golf. Certainly around the Twin Cities. Around yeah. the Twin Cities, right? But like, how how is one course not just said we're gonna pop dogs out here and say that's fine? Mm-hmm. There now you have a differentiator. Like, how has that not yeah. happened? Like, people love dogs. Yeah, especially yeah, Minnesotans as this specific crowd. Like, we all. I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but so many of us, so many Minnesotans are hunters with hunting dogs. We just all all the sub- suburban areas that we all have labs and stuff like that, and right. Or like the cabin courses, like there's so many courses around the cabins and there's not a differentiator. It's mostly just like what's closest to your cabin yep. or like if you, if you are a serious golfer, like what do you like about the setup? Right. But if you could take, if you could take all that and put it, place it at even and then just you add that they allow dogs, it would make a killing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it seems, and I'm, and I'm sure there probably is like more to it that we're not even considering, but it, it feels like such a no brainer. I'm I'm surprised at a minimum that no one's even tried it. Like maybe they we've maybe, never heard of it before. Yeah. Right. Right. Maybe it fails and that's fine. But like, so, somebody give somebody out there listening to this, please give that a shot because dogs should be on golf courses. Yeah. yeah. This is a big thing. Do you listen to Eric Anders Lang's podcast? I've listened to a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. So he's for the listeners. He's a he's kind of a golf content creator, golf personality, if you will. He makes he will go out to these. Uh, whether it's a certain country or just a group of courses and um, they'll have him do kind of like a travel vlog, you know, scenic drone commentary kind of video showing how cool the course is, why you should go there. But it's never about the score. He never, I've never even heard him say his score on a course. It's never about like how good he did. It's just about like, Always having fun out there because you can have, you can, even if you're not playing as well, you can have fun. And then his big thing is like, why aren't more courses having dogs out? Because it's just a big giant green space. Right. And it's, he's been in Scotland, has been in Scotland plenty of times, and all their courses allow dogs. Um, in addition to just like the golfers, like it's more of just like a, a park. It's like a city park that there's just golf, there's golfers on. Right. You're, yeah. You're just playing. So playing someone could just be park. walking their dog through the course, and that's just okay because it's a big, big green space. Right. And so I really like what he how he says about that because he is, he speaks well about it, and I totally agree with that. All dog, all golf courses. I mean, if you're private, then you that you get to pick that because you're you're private. Yeah, it's a different deal. But the public courses, like, if you're trying to make a run a business as a pub, public golf course, that's a differentiator that you're just forgetting about. Right. Because of the idea that for some reason that this green space is different than other green spaces that we can't have dogs. Yeah. Like, what are you worried about? A little dog urine? Like other animals are defecating on your course <laughs> and it's not damaged. Right. And I mean, picking up dog poop, like that's something that the, the links hammers on, like they give you bags so that we make, it, we make sure it's clear and yeah. And everything, but like, I think that's pretty reasonable, right? Like, as a dog owner, like you're trained, like you can't. Yeah, well, we've been doing that crap everywhere when you take it for a walk. Like, yeah, we've been doing, we've been cleaning up shit for the whole life of our dog, so it's not like right. it's a new thing for us. Right. I like and, that that bit about Eric Anders Lang, though, when like just his whole kind of demeanor, and it kind of ties into you know part of it is dogs on the course, but that was a part that made me. I mean, I, I really enjoy golf and. Since baseball's been done for me, that was kind of my next thing that I picked up, and I'm naturally 
very competitive, mm. but he talks a lot about just kind of enjoying it for what it is. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, if I, you know, I shoot what pretty you know, low to mid eighties, pretty consistently. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, if I shoot an 81 or 86, like that, that should not matter to me. <laughs> like, You're like, still coming like, back here. Nobody's like, still well, going yeah. to work tomorrow. Yeah. Like, like nobody, like nobody gives a shit or not. Right. Yeah. Like no one, no one's like, oh, wait, like now I think higher of Al because he shot yeah. an eighty-one. I'll say, hey, great job, you shot a seventy-eight. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and like well, that, maybe, and maybe we'll get an extra beer. <laughs> hey, that's that's a good day. Yeah. We can also do that if I shoot a ninety-one though. Yeah, it, for the same amount of beer, but for a different reason. <laughs> yeah. But no, but yeah, he kind of has that 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 concept of just enjoying it and taking it in for what it is, and not getting so wrapped up in the competitive aspect of it when you're not playing competitively, which yeah. you know, far more often than not. That's what that's what we're doing, right? Yeah, for sure. We I've re, I've had so much more fun this year golfing than I have in other years because of listening to him. Because I'm like you said, I'm competitive too. But I don't take the time to go to the range and like practice. Like I've never had a lesson ever. I've just like kind of been watching. I like sometimes watch YouTube videos, and now now knowing Brent, he's giving me some tips, and I kind of do little swings when I'm bored at home. But I I didn't go to the I went to the range twice this year and they were both just before a round I played right at once at Teton Reserve once at the uh, sporting club with you you hit like 30 balls it's not like I'm getting like drills set up yeah so I just like I knew I didn't need to I, mean, I didn't want to put the work in because I want to do other things in my life and that's fine <laughs> but I also enjoy it so it's just like training your brain to just have a good time regardless and I ended up playing better yeah because of that because I'm not like worried if I shoot a six get a six or a seven on a hole. I'm not like grumbling to myself and just chopping at the ball. It's like, Oh, it's just like, you know, the next one we can just try to have a, try to have a better, better shot. Yeah. You kind of take that pressure off of yourself. And that just yeah, there's less pressure it. when I'm just out. Have, basically I've trained my brain to just be thinking of golf as just a walk with my dogs <laughs> with where I hit, you know, 85 balls. Boom. Circling back. Yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. So let's let's move on into um, let's talk about our marketing company. So, as those who follow us on social media would have seen, we uh, kind of announced it's been around for longer than this, but we kind of announced our company like just about a month ago to our our social medias. Um, it's called it's called Marolta Mini Marketing, um, and we we took so long to try to come up with a name. Remember this? Yeah, we were at like, Crooked Pint, I remember. We were sitting there for like multiple hours trying to type in different names and being shocked at the amount of names that were already taken. Yeah. Like things that we would we were like, well, there's no way this one will be taken. And then we type it in, taken. Yeah. There's just so much time on like, let's just, we're just like, screw it. Like if we're going to do good work so it doesn't actually matter what the name is. Like that, we'll just put our names on it. Right. Whatever. <laughs> and, um... And you can tell you can kind of fill in the gaps here, but I'll just tell like the inception of the idea. Yeah, yeah. So we've been going to my cabin for years, and um, we'd be at bars and places, and people would ask us like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I'm like, you know, like I just got a marketing degree from Scholastica, or I'm in marketing at Scholastica, or whatever. And these plenty of small business owners, and like they have a, they they paint cabins or they plow or they have a fishing guide service or something all these little companies they would say like oh you want to do marketing for my company and that wasn't i had a i had a different job than marketing and i didn't really want to be doing it for some random that random business but i heard it enough times where i was like 
it seems like there's like a, a hole in this market where a lot of these small business owners recognize that this digital marketing stuff is important, but they're not doing it. They don't know how to get it and it's pretty expensive. So they just have like their, tw- their, their niece or nephew that's in their 20s doing, social, doing Facebook for them, like a couple posts a month. So then uh, we, were up at, we were up in the hot tub um, and we were just like, I think you said that you wanted to start a company one day and then I kind of threw off that idea. So we just came up with this idea of like, we're just going to be better than that niece or nephew and cheaper than like a big company. And we started it and then like, you know, got the right licensure and like got names and like figured out our offering and our pricing and like what we're going to focus on and all that. And then, and that was like, uh, when do we do that stuff? I mean, that probably, I mean, when we started in October, so I mean, that was probably the beginning of that summer of 2018, mm-hmm. really. I mean, we got on it pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think, I think what's kind of funny about the whole, you know, even just hearing you say it now, I guess I haven't really thought of it in these terms, but for how like robust of an idea this is, the simplicity of it is awesome. It is, like yeah. in our in our simple little minds, we were like, "Look, I know I have a marketing background. Tyler's in sales. Very simple. He'll sell it. He'll teach me to sell it. I'll market it. I'll teach him to market." And that was basically like the premise of why we started this thing. And obviously, built based on a need. And I want to share this too because I remember so clearly. There's you know what what kind of furthered idea that this is the right thing to be doing is there's this billboard on the way up to Ty's cabin. <laughs> And it's this big, obnoxious yellow billboard. And I was like, Ty, you know how much billboards cost? And they're expensive. Like, for those of you who don't know that, the billboards are actually expensive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's way more effective and efficient ways to market that we actually know how to do. So yeah. I was like, okay, we're on the right path with this. We can do this thing. Yeah. What is that? It's the one that's like a small, I don't even know if they do, but there's just it's so like along much the train going track. on. Right? It's along, yeah. Right? They just have like, it's like small font. A ton, like weird font, a ton of writing, and then like no phone number, no call to action. It's just like let's just throw up on a billboard and get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've driven. I mean, how many times have we driven to your cabin? Thousands. I, I have no idea what business is paying for that billboard, and it's yeah. been there forever. And they're trying to get you. They would love you to call them and buy something. Yeah, I should be the one to call them. I drive by it all the time. If they're gonna hit someone, it should probably be me. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's that's a good point. There's so many like. They don't understand like how cheap and how much more effective digital marketing is right now than even then radio, newspaper, billboard, and TV. Because all those, you know, we, we listen to Gary Vee all the time, but all those, and he talks about this, all the traditional platforms, the price is really, really high because the biggest companies in the world have been doing them for a long time. So their big budgets, their ability to pay big money pulls up the cost that the billboard that someone who owns the billboard can offer. Right. And the person who is going to put you, put you on TV or put you on radio because like, you know, Budweiser can buy an ad in that space too. So you can be with Budweiser for the spend. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, if you look at like a Super Bowl ad, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. all the beer companies, it's, you know, Doritos or Mountain Dew. Yeah. And, and then they can spend a million dollars. Right. On a 30 second ad. But mom and pop shoe shop can't. Can't. Yeah. Yeah. But you can get, I mean, you can't get Super Bowl reach, but if you do a good job on Facebook, you can reach. You can get what do we get at props? We get we get like three, three to five thousand people reached per post. Yeah, consistently for them, and and it's more direct because they chose to follow. So it's not like 
you know, what's the, uh, who's the guy that yells in the, in the infomercials? Billy. Billy Mays. Billy Mays. <laughs> like, hey, buy our thing. Right. It's not that. Like, they chose to follow you, so they're, like, at least a little bit wanting to see what you have there. Yeah, I mean, it's much more in market. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, you know, if you talk about, like, bang for your buck, which is kind of what small businesses are all about, I think mm. there is a slight shift that is happening now in the mindset. I think we see it with some of our clients where they're starting to get it. They're like, okay, we, we know that, you know, digital marketing as a whole is important. We get that. We don't know how to do it, and we don't want to pay a lot to do it, but we get it. We get the premise that it's important. Just that it's important. But they, yes. But they still aren't, they, they still, most of our clients... I mean, you can say that you think it's important, but when when we'll know that a com- a, one of our clients really thinks it's important is when they're willing to pay to have us do a full round the a full digital marketing approach, where it's doing social media consistency consistently, consistently social media ads, multiple platforms of social media, Google ads. Um, what else would there be? Uh, Having a good SEO approach to your website, um, you know, all those things is when it fully, you'll fully, we'll fully see that they're like, okay, we know it's important and we know financially that it's important because they're going to willing to to do it. Right. And I think something that's been kind of, you know, cool for us and it's probably, we're probably going to find out how beneficial this time in our business really is down the road because we we have to get so creative a lot with the things that we're doing because we're on such a limited budget. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, the bad side of it obviously is that we don't get to do all those, you know, all of those things at once that you just talked about. Yeah. We kind of get to do pieces of each of those for our different clients. But, you know, and, and, and where we really feel that we can excel and take it to the next step is when we get to do all of those things for all of our clients. Yeah. But in the meantime, part of what's kind of cool about what we, what we get to do right now is this, the creativity of it, of, you know, we only have X amount. So how can we, how can we optimize on this amount? And I think that that challenges us. I think, you know, really, really efficient with our time. Yeah. 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 I figured that out. So I don't know how I was able to figure it out super quickly with the links. So I said it on the Brent Baldwin episode, the links is one of our, one of our few contracted clients. Um, I did all their social media and got it, helped them with some newspaper ads and some um, event planning last last golf season and they it's not a big budget it's not i mean it's i'm not gonna say what it is but it's not very big um but brent brent was always very transparent about it and so that made me want to be very transparent with him so it's a really good working relationship and so most of what i did is content gathering and content editing and i figured out like how can I be the most efficient at getting usable content? And that was a big step in, in helping them out because right. that's, that takes a lot of time in gathering and, produ- and editing content and producing content and time is money for us. And so, yeah. I think that's, a, that, that it's kind of a crazy part about it too, is that, you know, yeah, you may only see, we'll call it three to five posts a week or something like that for one of our clients. And that may not look like a lot, but the work that goes into it mm. to schedule out a month's worth of posts or to schedule out a week's worth of posts even, and to build those out and to gather the content for those posts, there, there's a lot going on um, that kind of filters into that, that I think doesn't really get recognized as much. Yeah, I, I figured out that like, so 
we did two main series with the links, and one was called Swing Tip Tuesday, where we had filmed Brent doing um, some swing, talking about a, some swing tip that was common to, to amateurs and helping them fix it in like a minute or so. And then we did, I would do a drone flyover of each hole individually and do, we'd feature a hole, so feature hole Friday. So I got it down to knowing that between, for, for a feature hole Friday video, so it's just, usually it's like 45 seconds, my drone flying over the hole and then kind of hovering over the green. And then we have some nice music playing and then we have the description of the, of the hole in the caption. To go from, you know, I know I'm gonna do hole two tomorrow, I'm gonna film hole two tomorrow. Um, to go from that point to filming it, editing it, posting it is about an hour. So, and that's just one post. And that's just one post. Right. You know, <laughs> so we did, we did, for the links, roughly three or four posts a week. For other one, for props, props landing waterfront grill, it's our first client. It's in Hayward, Wisconsin. We do uh, more like four or five posts for them. Yeah, a little bit more. Because those are more um, event based. Yeah. So we want to get those events out there. Yeah, I would say with, with you know, yeah, the, dif the difference there is, I mean, there's just, there's, there's more events going on because it's a bar and grill, right? It's not, a, it's not just a golf course. There's, mm -hmm. it's, there's stuff, you know, different live music, different food deals, different drink deals going on every night. So there's a, there's a little bit more of a frequency there. Yeah. And they do a really good job of scheduling a lot of, um, event like musical events. So that gets people in and then, um, we kind of just have learned that that people want to go to events for them just more than just like a random day there. So we'll just like make an event out of a day, like come see the Packers and you get like, and they worked out, worked out with some deals for us to, to work off of. So that's been, it makes it easier when they're willing to kind of, um, bounce some ideas off of us also. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's the hook to get people in the door. Yeah. But yeah, you, I mean, you were talking about kind of the, the, the way that we can gather these posts and things like that. I think that's one thing for us that we've gotten so much better at too, is mm -hmm. just our efficiency yeah. in doing these things. And I mean, you know, what, what takes you now an hour to do one of those drone shots for a whole, you know, probably when we first started, this was probably closer to two hours. Yeah. What I noticed too, is our, our post planning. So, so every month with our clients, we do, Alex and I would sit down and plan out all the posts a month. So we look at like, okay, how many posts a week do we want based on events? or the series we have going, stuff like that, the ideas we want to get out. We plan out the month in a spreadsheet. And that, more than anything, we've gotten so much faster at. That used to take us like two hours of like grinding it out. Like yeah. we need to, like Back where do we come up with ideas to, to fill these spots? Right. And then now it's like toward the end of the season, it was like, I was just like, I just went and did it. Right. <laughs> I just went and did Props' <laughs> October planning because it was like, we know what we want to do. We know the events. And just from working with each other enough, it's like we know the the we're figuring out what posts do well, not for just like likes and views, but will lead to revenue. Yeah. That's at the end of the day, what we're doing is trying to drive revenue to our clients. That's what, get that's them what in the door. they care about. Yeah, and that's how what they care about. So if they're happily getting more revenue, then we'll happily keep doing the work for them. I think that's that's a cool thing too about our our company and you know, kind of what you're speaking to is what we call our machine, right? And building out our yeah. machine. And that was kind of like a phrase that you had coined early on. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about of, you know, 
first year, first six months, whatever it may be, what, what we're working to do as a company is we need to build out our machine. And what we mean by that kind of, right, was just basically our process of how we do things and nailing that down. And we, we knew that once we have that built, we think we're, we're I mean, we're pretty damn close now. Pretty good on social media there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in, 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 in that aspect for, for sure. But, but as far as like just building that, building out that machine. And then once we do that, that creates so much more bandwidth for us mm-hmm. because now clients become, and obviously, you know, different clients are going to prevent, you know, present different challenges. But once we have that machine in place, it becomes so much more plug and play and we get to do so much more. We have our head above water and can kind of look around a little bit with clients a little bit more than on the technical side of things. And I think that's, that's kind of probably our next step. One yeah. Of them. Yeah. When once, and, and I like, I like that we built the framework and uh, because now, you know, if we were to like hire someone, we don't need to just like throw them to the, throw the, throw them to the wolves and say, Figure go out. do a social media plan for this client. It's like, okay, here are the, here are the themes that we focus on with this client and why we do that. And we built, and, and then it's like, okay, go build out a week first of a plan based on these events. So it just, it makes our business scalable. I think once you build the framework or the machine, yep. you can just, you know, maybe, maybe you're building the framework of, of a car. You can just put a driver in it and they can turn it on. They can go right where they don't have to, they don't have to build their own car because they're new in the role or something. And that's kind of, and that's always been the goal, right? I mean, to yeah. get that in place so that that's what all businesses are. It's it they built some sort of machine to provide an offering to someone, to a customer or to a client. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we, we both had a very clear vision of that early on mm-hmm. of kind of what we needed to do to be successful. And we knew there were going to be things that come up that, you know, we're going to have to learn along the way. That's just natural. That's what's going to happen. But we knew that was such a key piece in it. Yeah. And I think for, for that, we've, we've stayed the course on that pretty, pretty well. Yeah, we, we got it. We got social media pretty good figured out. Um, Client acquisition is something. Is it something that we're still trying to figure out every single day? Because we're really hungry. We would. We really want to be doing this stuff. We really enjoy doing this stuff. So it's just, it's just convincing someone to let us do it for them. Well, that's such a that's such an interesting dynamic in itself, right? Is prospecting for us mm-hmm. with you being in Jackson and me being in Minnesota. Yeah. And even just the way that those two places work. I mean, I'm located in the you know the Twin Cities, Minnesota, and you're in Jackson Hole, Wyoming you know, the business world in Jackson and the way that small businesses work there yeah. are, are, are slightly different than what it's like here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I, I, I'd probably be willing to say a little bit more receptive in Jackson. Yeah, there's a lot more like mom and pop shops in Jackson. Yeah. And um, where, and they, and they love their, and Jackson loves its locals. So me being a local, not for very long, but I can walk into a business and I'm a high probability that I talk to an owner or manager and high probability that they'll at least let me talk to them because I say I live here. And if it's like in the town of Jackson, I say, yeah, I just live right up there. And I say where I live and they're like, Oh, awesome. Like, that's great. And so they're just such great people because they're just trying to live their dream of running their business. And I'm just trying, we're just trying to do that of, getting a business we can run on our own right. and living in Jackson. And so I think they might, they, re- they recognize that I'm here for the right reasons. So that at least they hear me out. Right. And it's not, and, and the cool thing too is, I mean, it's not as, um, I don't know what the word to use for this, but digital marketing wise, it's not an extremely populated area. 
right now, right? There's a, there's a bunch com- of there's a bunch of agencies. I guess, well, I, I mean, I guess in comparison to the Twin Cities, right? Because I mean, there's everyone yeah. down here is doing that. Yeah. So finding yeah, oh, you mean more about the clients? Yeah, the clients. Yeah, yes, there's plenty yes. of businesses that aren't doing it. Right. So I mean, yeah, and as far as, I mean, that's that's probably a difference. I mean, it's just more, I guess, I don't know, commonplace down here to be utilizing that platform. I think there's more gray or white space up there. Attainable, yeah, there. gettable white, gettable white space, yeah. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of really cool agencies in Jackson, though. Yeah. I can send you a couple, but it, yeah, they because there's the the amount of there's way more businesses than there are people like uh, residents. Isn't that weird? So there's just a ton of businesses, and they're all focused on getting the uh, the tourism. So it's not like it's a little bit different beast. So it's like they're just trying to get people that aren't ever that are here for one week a year, right? Right. Or for in Jackson for one week a year. Yeah, the touristy aspect of it too. Yeah, and then the, and then like the content gathering stuff that I'm a part of. There's a lot of people that do that. Like that's pretty um, populated, right? Because it's there's a lot of like, you know, people. Someone will just live in Jackson for a season, and they make a ski. They want to make a ski movie for right. a season, or they film for TGR, or they're just uh, film or photo- wildlife photographer. There's a lot of just content gathering type people that that live in Jackson. Yeah, and the fact that we we're able to do kind of all of it in full service is a nice aspect too. Yeah, it works out nicely that what I want to do and my skills are completely different than what you want to do and your skills and your experience. That's that's an awesome point too. Let's we should talk on that dynamic a little bit because I think that we have a pretty unique yin and yang, and, and it's funny because Nicole just brought this up to me the other night. Because mm-hmm. um, she was like, "It's it, you know, how do you go into business with like your best friend, and like y- you guys don't really butt heads. Like it seems like you get along well and you handle it fine. Do you ever like?" She was like, "Do you do you worry that you guys are gonna get to like a you know butting heads point?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, "I just don't think so." And that's probably I credited you with that. Because it, because you are so much more calm, like you're you're you have like the calmness and kind of the level headedness, and I have a little bit more of that kind of a fieriness, I guess, mm-hmm. to me. And I think that they they complement each other at many times. Yeah, there's def- there's totally there's been a ton of times just dealing with things in the in the business where you're just like. You're talking really fast and you're really fired up about something, and get I'm just like, up. yeah, get a, he works himself up, and I'm just like, let's just bring it down. Let's remember what we're trying to do here. Let's just when we face the client, it needs to be calmer than that, or whatever. <laughs> and then there's other times when I'm just like, eh, it's whatever, and you're just like, no, this is important, right? And so it works out both ways, and we just know each other for so long that we know that any sort of like kind of getting on each other is not in a disrespectful way. Right. Well, we both, I mean, we both want the same thing and we know that that's what we're working towards. It's never, it's really easy for us to separate our business conversations from our buddy conversations. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's definitely overlap for sure. Yeah. But like, yeah, but if we're, if we're getting on each other about something, it's never a personal thing. I'm never actually upset with you about it. Yeah. It's only, it's only if I'm getting on you, it's, because I think something needs to change to get to our goal that we have talked about and we know is the same thing. Yeah. And you do the same. You do the same for me. Yeah. And I mean, there, and there's that level of respect there too. I mean, which is why we started this in the first place. Is we yeah. both thought we're very capable of doing it. I mean, if we we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if we didn't have that that level of respect in place in the you know to begin with. Yeah. And trust too to be like definitely that to like fully know that your head's in the right place and you'll do the right thing. You know, like. 
even if I'm on the phone with someone or not on the phone or if he has to do an act, one of our action, the actions that we do without me or I have to do something that without him, like we have total amount of trust that we're both capable in doing all this stuff. And that's even, yeah, I think that's probably there from the beginning. I think we kind of did it right at first with like a, probably our first like part-time client mm. where there was a lot of like, okay, we have to schedule a call together at this time and we both jumped on and we both did, you know, whatever we were working on. And it was like, we kind of got to a point where it's like, okay, we don't, we don't need to both be doing this. You know, mm. I know that you can just go get this done really quick in the same amount of time. Yeah. And you do the same with me. It's like, hey, go, go take care of that quick and we go do it. Yeah. Even though, yeah, I do like, if we were, or if we lived in the same area, I would, I really enjoyed the times we were just get together and just, just jam out a bunch of work. Right. Whether it's doing different things or a similar thing, collaborating or something like we, we, like we built social media plans together. We're like, you're doing week two and three and I'm doing week one and four and we're just putting posts in and like saying, what about this idea? Like I'm doing this idea. So don't, don't put that in your week. So like, I just, I, I, Maybe just from working remotely for so long, like I don't get that collaborative, like kind of meeting, t- doing work time anymore. Right. Like Bridger is my collaborator. <laughs> he's a good security guard for us, though. <laughs> he is not, cause he's because <laughs> he'll see like just he'll see a a snowball fall off the roof, and he wants to go get that. He's the smartest big dummy I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, at the, yeah, the same moment. <laughs> In, the, in one moment, he's just like, you're like, oh my god, this dog is intelligent. And the next moment, this guy, this dog is like, he's the dumbest dog ever. Dude, I remember when you first got Bridger. Mm. This is this is funny. So Tyler and I lived together when we were right out of college together. Um, we lived in a house in St. Paul. And I didn't grow up with dogs. I was, I'm, I was always like, fine with dogs, but I didn't, you know, wasn't maybe the most comfortable just because I was never around them a ton. Um... So Tyler tells me, he's like, yeah, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting a dog. This is happening. And I was like, all right, well, you know, we're renting this house. So I, and I, but I said that when we were planning, planning to live together. Cause I knew like, no, you I did say that in my I head though. That. I was kind of like, oh, that's down the road. I was going to yeah. worry about that later. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was my mindset. And then it became reality. And not only were you getting a dog, <laughs> you were getting Bridger. Um, I was getting a wolf dog. A wolf, yeah. Okay. I was, <laughs> that's what he meant. Jackson Hole, I don't know if we're, if we're cool with that. They're fine. <laughs> but, yeah, so he, he tells me he's getting Bridger, and Bridger is flying in from Chattahoochee? Yeah. Way down well, yonder? Ta- Tallah- Tallahassee Regional Airport, but the town that his Bridger was in was Chattahoochee, which is not the same place as Alan Jackson. And so it's a river that comes out of Georgia oh, and it comes that. through this town, and Alan Jackson lived in Georgia somewhere on that river. Oh, man. Okay. But, I mean, Bridger probably went down yonder on the Chattahoochee <laughs> plenty of times in his young puppy, puppy months before I got to him or got him. But that, but that whole thing was so funny, too, because, because I remember I was like, oh, like, all right, you know, I'm not like the most comfortable around dogs. And now I'm getting, you know, thrown into it with a wolf dog, right? And I think in my head, I had worked it up to be so much more than it ended up being where I was like, this, this, this little guy is going to terrorize everything. He's going to be... He's going to be aggressive. He's going to be this and that. But pretty much from day one, when we when you got Bridger, I was like, okay, this is actually awesome. And I think to your credit, you did you did a really good job training Bridger. 
and you also like kind of told me what was going on along the way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was just like you talking through it. If you're like, okay, hey, dude, just cool it. Like it's going to be fine. <laughs> well, it was, I put so much research into getting Bridger. Like, like six books. I, yeah, I researched for a full year before getting him. Like I started Wolf Dog Research our senior year of college in the fall. And Dave, sorry, Dave Anstead, it was in your class. <laughs> I, I didn't need to I didn't need to pay attention that much in those classes. I still got eight. Um, still learned a lot though. That guy's learned, the man. Yeah, I learned Shout more than any other next. class, but I could do wolf dog research. So started there, continued on through the summer. I got more books, listened, did more research and like how do you train it? What's the difference? Like what? And then and then like for all dog owners, you need to know what dogs are doing, why dogs are doing the thing they're doing. It's and it's always because of what wolves do, especially with Bridger, and. So all of his behaviors is just like his, their language of talking and what they're trying to get out of things. And so I knew that going in and, and I knew Alex didn't know, know much about dogs. But it was very trustworthy of you and Steven to be cool with me bringing, in, bringing a wolf dog into the house. And it's my first personal dog. I grew up with dogs, but and I, tra- I trained Ricky somewhat in yeah. the beginning. But not the other ones because I was just a kid. Right, right. But they let me... Uh, I guess, live my dream of owning a wolf dog in a home that was like, had a lot of potential for a lot of shit to be broken, but Bridger only broke my stuff, so that's good. <laughs> it was exclusively your stuff. Yeah. I think he got his hands on one of my controllers once. Mm. I think that was okay. literally the only thing ever. Yeah. But other than that, no, he was awesome. Except, do you remember when, <laughs> do you remember when he used to bully me? Yes. It's <laughs> so- my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Dude, well, this kind of goes back to, like, me not, like, that totally being, and I'm, I love dogs now. It, it, Bridger totally changed how I act around dogs entirely, but at Let's first. Try not to bump the table. Oh, my bad. But at first, I remember, like, you know, I would, I would kind of be like, okay, this is cool, and I'd kind of, like, you know, hesitantly put my hand out and stuff, and I'd be petting them, but we used to sit on this couch, and Bridger would always pop up on the couch next to us, which was totally fine. But I would sit in the spot that Bridger wanted to sit in. <laughs> and he would just bite at, like, my love handles. <laughs> and, like, not hard. It didn't even, like, hurt. It was just, like... But it's, it's little, like, little puppy needle teeth always oh hurt. God, dude. <laughs> and then and you would get up to, like, pee or something, and then he would steal your spot and wouldn't let you get back in. Yeah, so he, so he more or less, like, would bully me, and I'd have to move spots on the couch. Yeah. So Bridger, Bridger was the... He was the prince of our house for a long time. Yeah, and I, I figured that was um, dogs and wolves and, and Bridger work in, like, a, a, the alpha hierarchy, where obviously I was alpha on the top, and it's only for their gender, too, so it's only within males. So we had three guys and then Bridger in the house that lived there. So I was on top as alpha because I did everything for him, and then we lived with Stephen Piet, and he... Uh, grew up around dogs so he knew how to act and how to like you can be physical with them and tell them that that you're the boss so he was number two and then alex was last because he didn't know how to do that it went bridger and then me if we're being totally honest bridger Bridger was three alex probably four if we're being totally honest about this situation well i don't know about that because he he knows you're a human but i thought i took that as him trying to jump you in that ladder he was trying (laughs) if he didn't he was trying to because he saw you as definitely like you're not, you're not Alpha Dad. Steven pushes me around. I can get you. I can jump you. There was no glass ceiling. 
Yeah, was, that's <laughs> what I took it as because he didn't really do that stuff to me or Steven. And no, I he absolutely didn't. He but you also would have allowed it. I did. Like I allowed this <laughs> stuff to happen because I didn't know. I was like, oh, I can't like, I can't like nudge him or anything. I, it's it's yeah. a dog. I can't do that. Yeah, where once he got big enough, like you can be like, well, right now and he's a hundred pounds. Yeah, but with all that being said, now he's my good buddy. Yeah, and he just he loves you and he loves Steven. Like for the longest time, whenever he'd see Steven. Bridget would pee. And he only does that for two people now. Steven, it's you and Cameron, my stepbrother. Nobody else. And I don't know what it is about you guys. Like, Cam spent time with Brid- ton of time with Bridger. Steven, you spent a ton of time with Bridger. And I spent a ton of time. He doesn't pee around me, my many. brother, my dad, or Al, or and even like when we lived together, like he would see he would not see me or Al or Steven for the same amount of time. It was only Steven that he like run up to him. excited peed about. And it was every, he would just roll on his back and pee right up at Steven. <laughs> just pee, it was waterfall. So many times Steven had to just go change after getting home because Bridger <laughs> sprinkled on him. But it was like happy pee. <laughs> yeah. So like, how can I be mad at him being super excited to see my roommates? You can't. All right. So we should probably wrap this up. I need to get up to Andover to do a dinner with Taylor's family. So you've listened to the episodes. You know what I'm going to ask. The question that I ask all of my guests of the words who what when where and why which of those drive you the most in your life it's a good question and the example is for me it's the where and the where is jackson where um so another answer like taylor's answer was the who like she wants to be around her her mom and her sister and her dad Sure, sure. Then yours could be, you know, whatever it is. I think, I think I'm going to say the, the what. And I think the reason for that is it's a little bit all-encompassing. It has the, to be one. You can't, you can't, you can't no, say all of them. Got to I'm not, no, it's not all of them. It's word. the what. Mm-hmm. But it's the what I want my life to look like. Uh-huh. So that's where it becomes all-encompassing, right? Because that brings in the who. It brings in the where. Well, it's like you, where it's like you have an image of your. I have a, life. yeah. I have the, I have a picture of my life and what I want it to be like. And if you're not doing part of that or something to get you there, right? It's not you don't do it. So it's the what. The what is at the top, and that's my goal. My what uh-huh. is what I want my life to look like. Oh, that's interesting. The other what's Noah had a what, and it was skiing. He just like he didn't really care where. He's okay being away from friends and family, but he needed it to be skiing. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of took that in a different direction than I really thought I would have. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I didn't really think about it. But I was that was that was the first thing that popped in my head, and I was like, all right, that's that's what it is. Yeah, it totally makes sense because you're not like a where guy necessarily. You're not necessarily a who. Yeah, I mean the people. Um, I mean the people. The people around. in my life are a part of that. Uh, yeah. obviously, you know what you know what I want my life to look like for sure. But but ultimately, it's all of those things together is what drives me, and it's what what I want my life to be. Yeah. Yeah, the same, my where doesn't mean that I don't love my family that's here, or my friends that are here. Just that where had to be fulfilled before, or once that where got fulfilled, then I, I, I feel like a better person once the where got fulfilled. Like, you know that, like, hierarchy of needs thing? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah it's like, it's like you kind of, like, you're getting that piece checked off, and now you can move forward, but you didn't feel like you could until you got that checked off. Yeah, it was like just pulling at me, like get to Jackson, and then now, now that I'm there, 
like I work way harder because it's like, okay, that's checked out. Like I got that. Right. I need to work really hard to stay there and do the things I want to do. And I, I feel nicer because I'm not thinking about how do I get to Jackson? I'm thinking about like, how can I be more thoughtful? How can I do more things for people and be more, um, uh, I've been working on a higher level, having a higher level of gratitude in my life and just like yeah. thanking, like sending texts to random people and just saying like, thank you for what, whatever part of my life you are, you are a part of. It's a cool thing to do. I like that. Yeah. I sent a, I, maybe, I don't, maybe I, I'm not going to show you the text, but I sent, I typed up this really long paragraph, just like thanking my dad for stuff. And it wasn't like, thanks for the car, or thanks for college. It was like mindset things. Yeah. Things yeah. that I hear him saying that to he's me every day. in you. Yeah. And stuff that he's instilled in me. I thanked him for all that. I sent it to him and he's, he's told me he started bawling. Yeah. That stuff is, that stuff is crazy powerful. Um, I don't remember what, I, I was talking with someone someone about this but we were just talking about like you know what's a sick thing is just like gassing up your buddies like because because nobody like 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 nobody does it where like if i just texted you and i was just like you know what man i i think it's i, I mean i've told you this before so this is a bad example but like but if you know just out of the blue i just texted you and i was like you know what man what you're doing in jackson is so cool and i'm so proud of you for taking that on and just going for it and doing that mm-hmm. like I've never, re- I don't receive texts like that, really. Do you? Um, like, from, from, I mean, maybe you do because you had, like, a major life event going on where you're just moving to yeah, Jackson. Yeah, not so much text, but, like, in, per- in person, people will be like, hey, how's it going? And I, and I say, like, how much I love it. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's amazing. I'm glad you feel fulfilled. Right, right. And then, like, our conver- my conversation with Lovick, because Adam and I and you are starting to get into this kind of mind- same, similar mindset thing where it's, like, be a good person and gre- be gracious, and that's... Right. And also, like be a boss in business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could do those things. Yeah, they, they, they can work together, absolutely. So I get it from Adam sometimes, and then, yeah, I don't get, I don't need to get it from you, because I we, we, we talk, talk so much, time, I already but, know what you're thinking. But, but yeah, no, I think it, it, it's a cool thing. I don't, I can't, I'm trying to think of who I was talking with that about, but, but yeah, it's a cool, cool thing. Or yeah. even just like, I, I do that too, like I'll see someone doing something that I know uh, really fulfills them. Even if, even if I'm not close with them anymore, like, right. and I'll send them a text and be like, that's really awesome. You know, I, I know what you feel like doing something that fulfills you finally. Right, right. No, it's a cool thing. And then that makes someone's day too. Just because it's mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's something that puts a little wrinkle in your day, puts an extra pep in your step or whatever you want to say. Yeah, and then they pass it along. Exactly. It's like, yep. I know it's, it's so cliche to say like, like being happy and being positive, like brightens people's day. But like, right. it, they totally pass along. If you're like, feeling if you're if you're just neutral and then someone says something bad to you or like you're in a bad mood because something happened if someone turns around and says like hey i saw this come from your facebook like i'm really happy that you're doing something um that fulfills you yeah you're totally like boost your energy boost your spirit and then you want to go do that to others yeah no i think yeah i think the the being a positive what i I tell myself this sometimes sometimes because i forget it be a positive uh, a force of positive change. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, I hope I'm a, a positive change in my friend in Jackson, my friends in Jackson's <laughs> life where, you uh, know, like, here's this guy. Yeah. yeah. Where we didn't know each other. And all of a sudden, like we're doing fun things and they, you know, and they didn't have that before they met me. And now we're doing fun things and it's positive. It's not like, um, you know, good things start to happen after you know that person. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, it, and it kind of, it attracts people to you. And I think it also, this isn't even necessarily like a karma thing, but it, it's kind of the same premise, I guess, is I think that that does, you know, what, what goes around comes around type thing. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you know, you putting out positive energy in that way. I think, you know, you have good things coming to you when you do that. And maybe it's just because you're more open to it or because your mindset is more opportunistic yeah. or optimistic, right? And yeah, I think that not yeah, whether it's like, outlook. Yeah, whether we want to call it like karma or God or something like... Karma chameleon. Karma chameleon. <clears throat> if you're putting out positivity all the time, you're not going to get shit on back. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, you're never going to like, yeah, you're never going to text someone like, hey, man, I'm super happy for you or I'm super proud of you. And they're not going to be like, yeah, okay, whatever, shithead. Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like nice, guess, I, nice I, text, idiot. Yeah, I've said that to dudes that I don't even, you know, wasn't even like close with or like, you know, maybe butted heads with. Right. But they'll look past like whatever that was for the positivity. That you're 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's, a, I think that's a super cool cool thing to be be doing yeah and our lives are so damn easy like relative to the world's history you're like, right if you're uh i think it's something like almost everyone in america actually for sure everyone in america right now maybe except for like the extreme four we're in the top one percent of of uh quality of life in the history of the world yeah you know, so our, to be to be a 26 year old person in Minnesota has never been easier. And I'm not saying that I go through life in a breeze and I, things are just handed to me. We have, I have to work, but I have the opportunity to work and I have the opportunity to get things I want from working hard. Um, and I'm not worried about starvation. I'm not worried about most diseases. Right. Like stuff happens. Yeah, your, your overall well-being yeah. is for the most part safe, right? We have we have a roof over our head that we know is not going to fall over. Yep. We're not going to get attacked by Indians. We're not. There's not a war going on in, in America. Yeah. And even most of the world, there's not real combat. It's just like some small zones. And so just like we get into – I think it's humans' brains that put uh, that spe a specific context – and splay it out as the uh, like the rule, the like the average of, or something, you know, where we we look at our context of our situations. Average. No, not that, but like we look at our context of our situation. You know, if you're having a tough week, right? Something happens in your family, um, or we're just our jobs are really difficult and stressful. We look at that as just at what at what that is and how it makes us feel, and not looking at um, how much easier that is than every other human, mostly. Yeah, it, those those little moments become so magnified. You're not looking. Yeah, it's kind of that head above water viewpoint. You're so yeah. narrow focused on what's going on mm. that you're not taking a step back and being like, okay, all, all things considered, my my rough day at work just isn't that bad. Yeah, it's just like it's just yeah. not that big of a deal. Especially being in business, like. Our, our worst days, we could lose. We could lose the biggest deal we've ever lost. Right. But nobody died. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's well, gonna die. Right. We lose our big deal. Nobody's gonna. Nothing. No one's gonna get physically hurt. Like, and this is how wild is that? Can you imagine? Like, 
like you call me up and you're like, man, I'm like, I'm so frustrated today. I lost this big deal. And I respond with the words, you know, at least Tay isn't dying from the flu. Yeah. Like, like that happened. At least People Tay were... doesn't have dysentery. Right. <laughs> but no, but like, that's a, that's a very real thing. The it's fact not that... for everybody because like Taylor, Taylor's had, um, had stuff like that happen in her job because she's in a labor and delivery nurse. So, right. Yeah. But I so mean, some like, people have that happen, but they still polio have the, easy, have the easiest job as a nurse or a doctor than ever before. Right. You know, yeah, she's they, have, not, they have the most at their disposal than they've ever had. Mm-hmm. She's not treating the plague. She doesn't, <laughs> you know, like peeling frogs off people. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, um, <laughs> like the, the, uh, what would you call this? Like the, the rate that um, moms giving birth die at mm. is tiny now. In we're, comparison, we're to like year, even in like in like Civil War times and like Revolutionary times, it was very high. Yeah, and ba- and fetal losses, like so, babies dying, used to be very high. That's but a, now it's just. Taylor's a very good nurse, but she has the easiest job of nurses ever. Yeah, and she's not like a war nurse. You know, she's not right, like, right. But I mean. Yeah, that's and that's something that like you know the guys that we like to listen to. I think I mean even you know when I was talking about Rogan or Gary Vee, mm-hmm. like stop stop bitching. You have a choice to do that. Yeah, you so, pick, so you don't, picked your job. You picked your major. Right. So like, don't bitch. And Gary Vee says this one too a lot of nobody cares. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's an awesome one that I've tried to like because it's so easy to put your burdens on other people. Like if I call yeah. you and I you know start venting about this or about that it's like and people need to do that that is an important thing it happens you know that's why you have good friends good family good people that you can go to and and you need to just vent sometimes i get it but for the most part nobody wants to hear that shit because like if the good friends the good friends aren't the ones that say oh your manager is a bitch or your good friends are the ones saying you know let, let me try to get you a job at my company let me try to um let me think of a solution for that. That is you doing different things. It's not like just the it's world, changing. the world, the best of friends don't say the world's against you, Alex, in that situation. Yes. The world, the best friends are saying, let me help this. Let me help you solve this. Yeah. Maybe the better, yeah. Maybe the better way is like bitching without change. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? The I same thing repeatedly that. where it's like, you know, I had a bad day at work or something and it's like, well, yeah, but you had a bad day yesterday. So at what point do you just not like your job? And like, it's on you to find a new one. <laughs> yeah, I know. You it's, know what it's I mean? like, you're, you're always saying this, like, do you not like your job? Well, no. Well, just, if you don't like your job, get a new job. Yeah. Like Trump just added, or I shouldn't say Trump. <laughs> our, I, I was going to say Trump added jobs, but he didn't really add jobs. Our economy is doing really well. So 630,000 jobs were added in, in the month of November. Did you know that? I actually did not know that number, but yeah. For a time as easy as it's almost ever been to get a job. I mean, maybe uh, maybe outside of like building for World War II or something. <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose. And and like in like uh, lots of jobs, like right? Do you are you in marketing? Are you you know medical? It's growing because we have a lot of old people, or we've a lot of the boomers are getting old and needing needing a lot of care, right. and people are having babies more often. Or if you want to be in like real estate, people are buying houses right now. Like so, whatever it is you want to do. Like there's there's a job somewhere out there. Yeah, it, it's like there's one in the six hundred thirty thousand that just got added that you could do. Yeah, kind of like the the 
the angel brother of stop bitching is like, have you ever heard of Hunt the Good? No. Which is kind of, it's kind of goes back to what we were basically talking about earlier. It's kind of rehashing that, but like, it's basically just looking for the good in everything. So mm-hmm. like, we'll, we'll stick with the job example of like, okay, so you're bitching about your job and it's like, awesome. That's a great opportunity to go find something you love, mm-hmm. or that's a great time to go start a marketing company. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like twisting those, you know, turning bad things into good things or good opportunities, right? Yeah. But we all have the choice to do that. Yeah. It's not just bitching to bitch. It's like if you if you actually don't like what you're doing consistently, like maybe bitch about it, but then like change something. <laughs> right. Yeah, do something. If you're just bitching because you want to be in a bad mood, like you want to complain about stuff. Definition of insanity. And people, yeah. And people do want to do that. They like, some people just like complaining about stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't like those people. Yeah. I like talking about the good parts of this stuff. Yeah. Aren't the good? Someone's like, oh, yeah, you like your job. I'm like, well, you know, this is eh, but I really love doing this stuff. Yeah, and again, it, it, that even is like, even that's putting positive energy into it. Because if you're just like, if you just start bagging on it, I don't like this, I don't like that, this sucks, this isn't great. And then now that person just like, eh. Yeah, they, uh, then it was like, ah, oh, I had to hear Tyler bits about his job. <laughs> yeah, you kind of like bring down their their yeah. attitude. Yeah, and it's not, it's not rolling around with rose colored colored glasses because it's different than that. It's being it's being real that there are bad things that happen. You're just attacking it. But can you change? If you can change it, then change it. Yeah. If you can't change it, then what's the use in worrying about it? Because you can't change it. Hmm. Mm. You know. I like that. Like, that's right. Except for taxes. We can always bitch about taxes. I'm going to just spit out my drink. <laughs> Tyler, for those of you who don't know this, this is like an awesome thing. And I've like sneaky kind of incorporated it into my life as well. And Tyler will tip, he'll pay in card and he will tip in cash. And on his receipt, he will write taxation is theft. Like almost anywhere he goes. It is. It doesn't land as well in Wyoming because you don't have an income, a state income tax. I think we're getting to the base of why you moved. <laughs> That's part of it. I, mean, it like, <laughs> I get to move to a state that I can do all the activities I want to do, and I don't have a state income tax, mm. and our government's pretty small but very efficient. <laughs> hey, you don't like something? Me. Do something about it. I did something but, about it. <laughs> boom. There I you now go. live in a state where my Republican vote actually counts. Ah, there you go. And people, I, I, I don't think I've ever really said this out, out loud ever, but... People see me like with American flag stuff or Reagan stuff, and they know that I'm, you know, I voted for Trump or whatever. But I'm not really a Republican at my core. What I am is smaller government. You know, I'm not like you know most of what Reagan's. Uh, I like Reagan for his economic policies, his foreign policy, and his tear down Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. <laughs> is that but, but I, I didn't like his acting. I didn't, I've never seen his acting. <laughs> But he was one of the one of these religious Republicans, where it's not really like less government versus more government. It was really just like more government, but our version of it, you know. Yeah. And that doesn't that doesn't work out. So then it just comes down to more government, but either you know whatever the Democrats want or the Republicans want. I just want, I want so much less federal government that we're not fighting over the president. We're not rioting over the president because his power doesn't, even, his or her power doesn't even matter. It shouldn't matter enough to be that pissed off about it. Yeah, right. I, I, that's where I want it to be. So I'm not, I'm voting. I usually vote Republican because they're usually saying smaller government. They're the ones who are closer to that, at least closer to it than closer the other to side. It, yeah, like Trump 
deregulated a ton of stuff. Yeah. Like he something some trillion pages of regulations that he deregulated, and that's helping the jobs. And so that's more what I'm at um, than I am like, you know, we need no marijuana, we need a lot of guns, and we need like church back in America. Like, no, it's we need like less government so that it's not as big of a deal as it is right now. Because it's such a big deal. Like, you bump into someone random and it jumps to like, did you vote for, don't vote for Trump or not? You know what I think is cool? This just happened at the wedding. Did it? Yeah, I, I bumped into... Hopefully she listened to this because it's be kind of funny if she heard this. <laughs> just <laughs> No, it's not really her fault. It's just no, like no, the, no. the times. I bumped into Nick's cousin Sarah. Okay. Do you, you remember her from Scholastica? Yeah, I do actually. I do. Yeah, so we hung out like with Nick and, and everybody at Scholastica plenty of times. And so I, we bumped into her at the wedding and I was like, hey, how's it going? Like I, I, I knew she lived in another country, but I didn't know where. And I was like asking her about that. And I was like, and she jumped right into like, it's way better in another country. And I'm like, why? America's great. And she's like, I'm not having this conversation because of your political beliefs. And I'm like, you don't even know them though. But I didn't, that wasn't political. I just said America's great. <laughs> like I love America, not because I love the government. I dislike most of the government. That's something I like the people. That's something I don't like that our our generation is doing. God, like you're right, you're you right. can you can dislike what's you can dislike some of the things that are going on, but like if you don't like it now, then you've never liked it. There's things that were going on that mm. were so much worse. Yeah, and and in in America and other countries as well, obviously, but like. I think that that's a common thing is to just throw a blanket over it and say, well, I don't like this. Because that guy, that orange guy is in the office. I don't like America right now. And I, yeah, exactly. Which, and, that, and that's totally fine. If that's mm. your opinion, that's fine. But my new thing that I've been doing, and I love that you brought this up when you said, you know, what your what you actually value. Small government, right? Yeah. And smaller. Yeah. Or sm- or smaller, yeah, yeah. But I like asking people, what do you value? What are your values? What like mm-hmm. give me give me your top things, because a lot of people and this kind of even ties into bitching just a bitch, because mm-hmm. people like to just say, well I don't because if you if I'm saying this to like our generation as a whole, if, if Trump's Twitter is what you really value as like what really pisses you off the most about our country right now, that's insane. There are so many more important issues going on. It's not great. I'm not gonna like sit here and say it's awesome. Yeah, but, it's but what like, I voted for him. I'm not like, he should be tweeting every day, but it is a good, it's a good connection to the president that we've never had before. Yeah, and you know, like, even at a minimum, whether whether you whether you agree with it, whether you disagree I might want, with it. I might want someone to vet his tweets a little bit more. <laughs> it's a streamline to, to, his, his, to thoughts, his brain. Which is at least yeah. something. It's a totally different, totally different uh, thing that we've ever had in America. We've yeah. never had that. But I love, but I love coming back to, like, that's fine. What do you value? Because you've clearly put thought into, like, you know, smaller governments, what I believe in. This is why I liked Reagan. This is why I vote on this side. Or this is why I have the opinions that I have. Yeah, and I, I think, think it's cool to challenge people on that. Like, okay, so that person hates America. What do you, what do you value then? What, what ultimately matters? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people go on social media and they just see, like, a bunch of stuff. And I'm not... They should just take that... Mo- most people on both sides will take those four bullet points that each side has as their thing... Right. They don't. They may, they may not like put uh, conscious thought into like, do I care about that? I bet. One? I bet there's a lot of people who, if they actually dove into like policies and things like that, would would find that they don't even care for either party. Maybe they're third party, or mm-hmm. they maybe they identify or as a Democrat and they look at it and they're like, eh, not quite. 
Yeah, or they identify know, as Republican. Yeah, I want a couple of these like, things, but like I don't yeah. really care about the rest of them. Well, yeah, like like what do you value? Like for me, one that I don't give a shit about. I, I literally people try to talk about it and try to argue about it, and I literally just don't care enough to have an opinion. Is like the legalization of weed. <laughs> I, like it's just not one that I care for. I mean, I understand it. I get it. I've read on it. I get it. I yeah. still just don't care. And that's just my opinion. I just it's not your hill to die on. It's not even right. really a good hill to die on. Like, yeah, but but some people do. But I mean, but whatever it is, I mean, there's there's major topics, right? Like, I mean, death penalty and things like that. Like, take the take the leap to make <laughs> an opinion and die on a hill. Then, other other than a blanket statement of I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. The positive, the positive aspect you know? of what do you like? What do you want? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's always... a cool thing that I've started trying to do when people talk politics. What do you believe in? Because mm-hmm. then you can at least have a conversation. Yeah, at least they have a reason. Say, I believe in, uh, you know, blank, and you're like, oh, you know, that's that's pretty valid. I'm not, I don't. That's not important to me as much, but I don't, you know, I'd love for you to have that. Yeah, whatever it is, you know, like, you know, I just, I, I don't care about, like, it's it's done and gone now, so it's already a thing. Like, I just don't care about like gay, gay marriage. Like, right. It's, I it's, love Taylor, and so like I'm just, I don't care who marries who. Right. I'm not like religious, so there was some disconfusion. And I would I haven't always been in that, that thought process. Mm. Um because like religious stuff that had to be worked out. Right. With that with that situation. But the the whole thing is like if there's less power in the federal government, that doesn't matter. The, yes. The federal government shouldn't be determining who we love love or don't love and whatever word you want to call it, whatever, like the fact that we have to like because the, the the marriage thing comes out of religion, and like creating children. Yeah. And now we're different, a little bit different than that culturally. Right. And I'm getting too far into this. I don't even care to get into. But <laughs> no, but I, but I mean, I get it. Is that if the government has less power, we don't have to ask them if gays can get married. Yeah. We don't but, have to ask them if we can smoke weed. And maybe maybe that's it. Like, we can say we can say to them, provide us with good roads, which they don't even do a good job of. Provide dude, us. I live with, in Minnesota. You want to talk about good roads? <laughs> no, like Jackson's pretty decent for like the crazy winners we have. Is it? That's yeah, good. like Duluth, awful. Oh, Duluth, Duluth. But that's really hard too because it could it could be a hundred in the summer and negative fifty. No, they don't stand a chance. Yeah. They can spend all the money they want. That's going to be screwed yeah. up. Come and, it's, and it's on a hill. Oh yeah, with a lot of moisture. <laughs> yeah, nothing that says roads there. But you know, provide me with um, good roads. Provide me with emergency services like you know, fire, police, EMTs. Um. Provide me with the military to, prof- to protect our borders, mm. um, and provide enough laws so that just just barely enough laws so that certain industries aren't you know destroying natural areas or destroying waterways, and that's part of like caretaking of your people or whatever that. But there's like there should be like six things government does. Yeah, but why don't we? Yeah, but like so why don't we? Why don't people hit on, like, those things, kind of those higher level, like, smaller government kind of, like, encompasses kind of all of, and I don't mean to, like, minimize those other issues, but, like, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean? It wouldn't be issues if, they were, if the government wasn't powering our lives. Right, right. So, I mean, it, it, but, like, but, like, that's your belief, but someone else may say, I want government involved in that, but, but just say, that's your belief then, to have... More government, less government. But I don't think people even think of it on this like level. It doesn't. They don't. They get they, so narrow focused they, on something, yeah. and they just dive into it. And it's like, 
at you're the like, end. It's like, matters. you're a Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's this, and it turns into this big blanket statement. It's like, where did we get off the boat here? Yeah. Yeah, the real, they want to make the political spectrum, like, left and right, where, like, fascism is on the far right, socialism's on the far left. Right. But it's really not, it really should be, are you for more or less government? It's kind of a it. simple, it doesn't need to be as, as as difficult and as painful as we probably make it. You know, they just have more government on the outsides, and then just less government has some space to the right of center. <laughs> where it's like, yeah. you know, because yeah. left of center is like Joe Biden and like Hillary. Like they're not, they're pretty centrist in the grand scale. Yeah, if we are, yeah, if we're talking like Hitler on one end, right? And, yeah, and, and, and like the Hitler thing always confuses me because he was a fascist, but the Nazis were socialist, and his his party took over the government and made the government way more powerful. So that's just more government. It doesn't matter what you call it. That's what I'm saying. So, it needs to be more simple. It's either it's either you want more government or you want less government. That should be the political spectrum. Right. And it's kind of left and right, but then they'll just throw Hitler over there. Well, that's kind of... white. <laughs> but you could kind of do that to any, like, any communist leader, right? Like, at the end of the day, they're probably fascist, really. Like, if you look I at... I don't even know the difference, really, like, com- between... I mean, I kind of know that, like, socialism is not a government structure. It's an economic structure. Right. So we kind of throw that one around incorrectly sometimes. A lot of times. Where, like, communism might be the government structure for socialism, Right. Maybe yeah, more, no, more it, no, that's correct. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, Republican versus conservative. Maybe uh, yeah, that might not maybe, be a great maybe, example, but maybe yeah, but like more, one's a shell of the other. Because yeah, communism is more like authoritarian and militaristic. It's like a militaristic flavor of socialism, where sure. the military does all the work. I think maybe, and then socialism or what Bernie is calling social democratic <laughs> socialism is like we vote. We vote. We vote for the government to own all the assets, which is, well, yeah. So I think that that's probably versus the military versus there being a revolution and then the military takes the assets. I think that's the only difference. Someone, someone sense. to listen to this, message us and tell us if we're <laughs> full of shit because we're not. We're not political. That? We just went on and on about like what people should be doing in government. Then we like get to like the the root of it. And we're like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Take all that what we just said with a grain of salt or something, because yeah. But that's kind of a that's that's maybe that's the point though. We all everyone has all these beliefs and no one puts the freaking work in to actually know what the hell's going on. Yeah, they just pick something and run with it. Yeah, they just pick the four things that CNN tells you to believe in or Fox tells you to believe in, and then we go and riot. Boom. So maybe okay. So that's what I'm saying. Find what matters. Yeah, and actually like be able to articulate on it. Yeah. At us. Yeah, yeah, and message us. See what you think. To see what you're saying. Um, so uh, I'm gonna be late for dinner now, but uh, we went way past the end of the episode. Sorry, so Jay. Alex, so, yeah, sorry, honey. Alex's word of those bunch is his what, and it's because of his picture in his brain that he has for his future life. And if it doesn't get him there, doesn't do it. Jackson, I, I, know, I know Tyler's living out his dream out there, um, but we miss him here, so I'll bring him back soon. <laughs> that's not gonna happen <laughs> i know it's not a guy can try yeah all right everyone uh thank you for listening um alex tell the nice listeners where you can find they can find you on any social on, on instagram and then tell them our businesses social media yeah so you can find us at merolt mini mkt 
yep. on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, my personal is Al underscore Marolt two on Twitter and Al underscore Marolt eleven on Instagram. Nice. Yeah. So check out our businesses account if you're a business owner out there and you want some cheap but really really solid marketing work done. Hit us up. We'll come out. We'll do some work for you. Whether you're around where we live or not, we can do a lot of our stuff fully remotely. So yeah, there you have it. That's a podcast. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great day. Thank you.